Welcome to this month's edition of Evercore Edge, Perspectives on a Mega Investment Theme, Energy Transition. I'm Jamie Easton, Head of Communications at Evercore, and I'm pleased to introduce my colleagues, John Kaufman, who leads Utilities and Renewables, and James West, Head of Clean Energy Research. Today, we have the unique opportunity to hear from both a public and private market investor to offer their perspectives around investable themes in energy transition. Enjoy the episode. This is Evercore Edge, Evercore's thought leader sharing insights on today's markets and events. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Evercore Edge. We are thrilled to have two excellent guests here joining us today. I'd like to introduce Mike Hill, who leads CPP's uh, sustainable energy team located in New York. Uh, Mike has been with CPP for the last several years, and prior to that was an investment banker for over 25 years, and coincidentally, a colleague when we work together. So we're thrilled to have Mike here. James? Yes, uh, thanks, uh, John. I'm pleased to have Yi Siegel here today, the founder uh, and CEO of uh, Siegel Asset Management, which he founded several years ago after a 40-year run uh, in the investment management business, both on the sell side as a top-ranked analyst uh, and on the buy side at uh, prestigious firms such as uh, Newberger Berman. Uh, he's just focused his career on traditional energy and now more so on the clean energy space. So, Yves, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, James. So, I'd love to pose the, the first question to kind of both of you. So, energy transition, as, as Jamie highlighted, a kind of a mega theme for uh, investors. Curious from your perspective, um, and maybe, Mike, I'll go to you first on, as a control company, and Yves will come back to you on the equity side, but near-term favorite types of investments, longer-term favorite types of investments on this theme? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for the question, and thanks for having me. Uh, I, I think that what we're seeing in the market today is quite a lot of volatility, as I think you guys sure. would agree. And I think we've got a mandate that allows us to, to express ourselves in a fairly broad way. Right now, I think the most interesting opportunities, given the volatility, are in traditional energy, uh, and upstream in particular. Uh, we've just done a large investment in that area. I think longer-term, uh, I think energy transition is going to be, as Jamie described it, a multi-decade, multi-generational investment opportunity. And so the growth in particular around uh, some of the adjacencies uh, around the energy transition, some of the services companies, uh, we think is going to be very attractive. Great. And Yves, from the equity side? Yeah. You know, similar to what Mike just said, um, I, I think the big opportunity is actually in two fields. You know, one is traditional energy and then is, you know, clean energy. And I think where investors might miss the boat is that it's not mutually exclusive. And sure. when you think about the energy transition going forward, um, the companies that are really well suited to do well are infrastructure companies. And that's what we really focus uh, on. So uh, the way we like to invest right now is to invest in those companies, traditional energy companies, that I think you know are leaning into the energy transition. Great, I think we agree with that view as well. And as a, an analyst that covers both the clean energy and the oil and gas side, we we see the benefits of investing in in, in both because it's really an all of the above equation. The Earth is is short of electrons as well as hydrocarbons, and will be for some period of time here. Um, so that's uh, I think lines up well with our views of the market. And maybe, Mike, let me ask your perspective on this. We've talked about the mix between traditional and, and newer technologies. How, how has CPP played across that spectrum um, as, you, as you play in, in more established 
uh, renewables across wind and solar into newer technologies, carbon capture, hydrogen, and then the backdrop of, of traditional energy underpinning that and transitioning that traditional energy into, into those areas as well. How is the mix, the mix integrated? Yeah, well, I think maybe stepping back, uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, we, we've got the ability to express ourselves in a very broad way across the entire uh, chain from traditional to uh, new energy. Uh, and and we, we're really looking at, at that opportunity through the lens of uh, where do we think we can achieve the most attractive risk-adjusted returns. And um, so I, I think we don't have specific targets. I think we see uh, exciting opportunities in all of these areas. Um, and, I, and I think we're really governed uh, by where we think over the long term we can create a portfolio that has, as I say, these appropriate risk-adjusted returns. Today, uh, for context, about half of our portfolio is in traditional energy, and the other half is in, is in uh, renewables and some of the more emerging uh, uh, areas of the, of the sector. So I think that's more coincidental than anything else. Does it make sense to use to talk about ERA, for, for an example, yeah. now as a, as a recent deal that sure. CPP invested in? Yeah, so uh, the way we've thought about investing, uh, in particular around uh, traditional energy, uh, is, has been informed largely by our own, our own company's net zero pledge, which we took a couple of years ago, and a view that uh, uh, we were not going to uh, take a divestiture approach to traditional energy, that we were, we were going to use our capital in a way where we had an engagement model. And so we look at all of our investments, again, primarily for, through a financial lens, a, a fiduciary lens, but we want all of our investments to have a decarbonization theme. And so, and so uh, ERA is a great example of a business that we acquired just very recently in partnership with a European infrastructure player called ICAV. We acquired Shell and Exxon's position in California, heavy oil position, and became the second largest producer of oil and gas in the state. Um, and as part of that, we've, we've announced at the time of the, uh, of the transaction a very aggressive decarbonization plan around scope one and two emissions uh, utilizing things like solar and, and carbon capture and sequestration. And so I, I think looking at investments where we can uh, see an attractive return, but also see uh, a, a very clear decarbonization plan is uh, the lens through which we're looking at all of our investing at this stage. And how do you, uh, both Mike and, and, and you, think about the role of the traditional energy industry in the energy transition, given they have capital, they have project expertise. Um, we've dealt with a lot of these molecules in traditional energy that we're talking about uh, using in the energy transition. You know, kind of, What's your perception of should they be involved? How can they be involved? Clearly, you think they should because of the, the aero transaction, um, it, but what the role should could be? Well, you know, the, the, way, the way I think about it is it's, it's in the best interest of the traditional energy companies to, you know, put their toe, you know, in, in, in the water. Uh, the challenge for the traditional energy companies is that they have to make an adequate uh, return. Right. And I think that's the governor for, for most of the companies that I look, look at in infrastructure. But as I mentioned before, when, when you think about the energy transition, uh, to meet the aspirational goals, you need the infrastructure in place. And the pipeline companies are the guys that I think uh, will be able to move the hydrogen, which is uh, a, a huge theme. And I know from the oil field services side to, to build you know, big offshore projects, you're probably thinking uh, oil field services companies, the majors are getting involved. 
Um, so I, I think from my perspective, you know, I'm looking at those companies that are investing in the energy transition, uh, but, but, but are doing it in a very measured way. Uh, and, and I think ultimately those are, are the companies that are going to be successful because, you know, what I like to say, the trains left the station. And, and so sure. you have to, you know, recognize that uh, you got to, you, you have to understand how you're going to be a player in that field. Well, and, and it's worth, I think right now in this climate, there's been a lot of very recent topical discussion about traditional energy at the Sierra Week conference. And I think there has been, there has been some perspective that, that the, some of the European majors, for example, have gone a little too far, a little too fast and sacrificed returns at the expense of some of the other more domestic players, for example. So how do you see, as an investor in, in public stocks, how do you see picking, picking those stocks and thinking about which angles are, are, are legacy to what they do and core to what they do versus venturing into other areas like power or, or other more uh, technologically new areas? How do you think about that, that investment decision as you decide which stock to, to invest into? Well, I, I think it's a matter, uh, from my perspective, everything is risk management. Yeah. And so, you know, how much capital are you going to deploy, you know, in, into some of these, uh, in, into some of these areas? Um, so my focus has been mainly on the midstream companies. And, you know, we spoke about Enbridge a little bit earlier. Um, they're, they're investing, uh, I think, significant am amount of capital. Um, and they're doing it with JVs, and, and I think that's the key to, to moving forward uh, because you have to, you know, spread spread the risk. As it relates to the midstream companies, uh, a good portion of the companies that we're investing in are looking at the uh, uh, carbon capture and sequestration. I, I think they're uniquely positioned to do well. Um, and in terms of the, the majors, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of renewable natural gas because I, I think th the market size is so small, but the opportunities to make good investments are, are pretty good because of the uh, uh, incentives uh, around renewable natural gas. So BP uh, bought one of the companies that we were invested in, and I think you know it has a pretty good growth profile, and I think they'll, they'll make uh, a nice return on it. And for them, it's pretty measurable, uh, manageable uh, at around $5 billion investment. And how are you guys um, both thinking about um, valuation and creating value through the leverage into energy transition um, areas? I mean, you from the equity market perspective, I don't see a lot of the service companies getting a benefit in valuation from their uh, investments that they've made. I definitely don't see the European majors getting a valuation uplift uh, at this point. Um, but how do you think about uh, the, that value creation um, when you look at pr uh, public investments and then, Mike, when you look at private investments and, and what they should, when they become public investments or when you look to sell, what the valuation you know, should ultimately be? Well, uh, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, I, I think you're right. But just from a, a valuation perspective, I struggle looking at pure clean energy companies because sure. you have that hockey stick uh, type of profile going forward. And... Um, so, so the struggle is to to just recognize, you know, how overly optimistic are the forecasts going into right. those uh, those models, as it relates to the infrastructure companies. Uh, you know, most of the investments are kind of small right now, but a company that we really like a lot is Nextera Energy, mm -hmm. and you can make the argument as as the largest uh, 
uh, originator and operator of uh, renewable, you know, uh, uh, wind and solar, they're, they're not getting credit for that, you know, in, in their stock. And I, and I think, you know, that's a, a wonderful opportunity for us to, to buy a, a, a company that sure. is out of favor right now. Right, right. Mike, your thoughts on? Yeah, I just think we're in this amazing environment <clears throat> where y you've got a massive amount of capital continuing to be spent on the traditional energy space, less than it has been in the past, but still, you know, it's a big global uh, right. part of the economy. Uh, and then we've got this massive new amount of spend going into to clean energy and the energy transition. And and I, so I think there's just opportunities everywhere. Um, I think you've got to be, as a private investor, very focused on uh, what you think you're good at. And, and then I think you've got to be very careful about how you price your capital, uh, because I think there are different projects that have different risk. And I think that the policy backdrop obviously has created, um, you know, an, again, an environment that makes... Um, certain projects that would otherwise be um, uneconomic, more economic. Um, so you have to think through that risk. But I, we view this as an opportunity-rich environment. And um, again, we have the benefit of being able to look at things perhaps on a, um, a more uh, project level than you would as a, as a public market investor. Sure. Uh, but you know, I, I think that we will continue to see opportunities up and down the risk spectrum that will be attractive. Yeah, if I could just add, the way I think about it is, you, you have so much money being poured into the energy transition and so much uh, subsidies from, from governments around the world. It, it's not a question of uh, if these technologies are gonna work. Uh, you know, it, it's more of a question of picking the right sure. technologies and the, and the right companies. Uh, so uh, I, I agree that there's huge amount of opportunities ahead of us but also a, a huge amount of risk because not everyone is going to be successful. Well, yeah, it's a tr I yeah. think that's right, Eva. And I, it, it's, the, I think, a very classic example of, in particular, given all the disruptions happening, there's going to be some winners and some losers. And, and the key in that. both the public and the private markets is going to be figuring that out. Well, when we launched on clean energy as a, a firm uh, in our research coverage, we actually brought in our internet guys to, yep. to talk about internet kind of 1.0, and this is kind of clean tech, you know, 2.0 essentially, but there's going to be winners, there's going to be big time failures, um, and we're in the early stages. And I've taken the tact of we're going to cover the companies that are the picks and shovels for now, uh, because I'm not sure the the asset owners who's going to be the winners I, I think i can tell you who can sell the equipment and sell the chargers and all that kind of stuff um, and who will win there but it's going to be harder to figure out the project economics of major long-term uh, investments and so that's kind of been something we've thought about and in the last you know couple of weeks here we've had obviously financial market distortions too and so that brings up another question is how do you guys think of about cost of capital as that's clearly going to rise as we have things like bank failures that, are, that have happened but um, how do you guys think about cost of capital for especially clean energy and un, un, maybe unproven now or technologies that need to scale and and i would ask not only cost of capital against this volatility backdrop the rate environment what that means for growth and the ability to to, to deploy this growth to attractive levels that work both publicly and privately. I think that's a big debate that we're hearing between the public and private markets and the ability to continue this growth and this rate outlook. Well, you know, from, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, clearly, as you guys mentioned, you know, cost of capital is going up. I, I think it's hard for me not to, to go back to the dot-com bub bubble and, and compare it to where we where we are now, and 
I, I think the big difference is, at least from the traditional energy, uh, even even with most of the clean energy companies that, that we've looked at, you know, they're fairly well capitalized. And, you know, balance sheets for traditional energy in my career, I don't think have, have ever been better than, than what they are now. So I, I think they'll be able to finance it. You know, the question is, are they going to demand higher returns in order to uh, offset, you know, the higher uh, cost of capital? Uh, also, I, I think it, it just lends itself to more JVs to spread the risk and to be able to uh, to finance uh, future projects. But I, I really don't think uh, cost of capital is going to be a big big governor. Maybe for the smaller uh, early stage companies, but I, I think for the more mature companies, at least the ones that that I'm looking at, um, I, th I think they'll have plenty of. Uh, of, of interest from from the private equity side. So actually, Mike, I'm curious what you think about that. I think our cost of capital has gone up. I mean, I think it's uh, rate, the rate with the rate environment that we're in and the volatility that we're seeing. I think our expectation for returns is is higher. Right. Yeah, we're we, and we're seeing that across the board. Um, for example, in in over the last couple of years in wind and solar, we've seen enormous amount of M and A activity. Uh, into into buying and building out huge platforms and huge pipelines <coughs> of development, <coughs> and that was predicated on on certain returns that had been really tightened in a low interest rate environment. As you start to move two three hundred basis points up, and you start to get to equ where equity returns were, which are right on top of where debt returns are right now. So the question is, what's in it uh, for this asset class? And something has to reprice. And so how does that play out to the advancement of, of many of these uh, uh, wind and solar pipelines, for example, which then I think have, have led to other people exploring uh, other adjacencies. And so one thing I wanted to, to lead into, um, you, you worked on uh, a deal uh, for an interesting energy services company, energy as a service company. How do you think about the role of energy efficiency and you know, moving into more of an, uh, an asset light but more service-oriented yep. uh, environment in, into this transition. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's a little bit on the theme that James talked about uh, with picks and shovels, and, and I made the comment earlier about adjacencies, um, services, uh, equipment suppliers. Uh, we invested in a company called Redaptive. Uh, it's a company that, that does energy as a service for large uh, owners of real estate. Um, it's a really interesting, innovative model uh, uh, where effectively the, the consumer or the customer um, Pays for energy savings. Uh, pays for the pays for the work that the company does through their energy savings. And look, I think we've all seen the charts that show to get to the sort of climate goals that the that uh, the world has. There needs to be a very big part of that that comes from just good old fashioned conservation and abatement. It's kind of low hanging fruit. And so uh, you ultimately create a through that a very large addressable market. And I think a number of concepts like Redaptive, which which we think's got a really interesting technology angle and and go to market approach. That we think will, uh, you know, have a very strong growth outlook for for and where we're not really betting on uh, w where electricity prices are and um, uh, and how we're structuring long-term projects. It's it's a it's a uh, what we think is a is a is a relatively uh, well very attractive growth profile in a in a very large market. Well, that brings up a question uh, that I've been kind of struggling with uh, because I've had to talk to uh, equity market investors. There's a lot of conversations around solar and wind and hydrogen and, you know, these renewable or differentiated uh, fuels, but there's not a lot of talk about 
what you're investing in, which is efficiency, getting power demand, energy demand down, uh, or mitigation, carbon capture, which is going to play a huge role if we want to hit those goals that have been outlined. And so, uh, do you do you see a better opportunity in the under, I guess, uh, under invested in or what doesn't get the public talking like carbon capture versus, say, wind farms and things of that nature for both of you guys on the, the equity side and on the private side? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're very uh, interested and very focused on carbon capture and carbon sure. capture and sequestration and carbon markets in general. Um, we, we built a large system in Alberta called the Alberta Carbon Trunk Line, which is really going to form, we think, the backbone for the carbon system in Alberta. And, and we're looking at a number of other opportunities in the in the U.S. Um, I think that the uh, the IR uh, the IRA and some of the some of the in incentives that have been provided there. Uh, really changed the game in terms of, of uh, incentives. And as I mentioned, we'll, we'll look at uh, uh, implementing something like that in the context of ERA. I, I think the big challenge we're finding, to be honest, is something we hear a lot on all of these larger projects, which is just the challenges we have with permitting. Right. So I, I think the capital's there. I think the potential for projects are there. It's, it's carbon capture and some of these other ones that, that takes a lot of integration in terms of number of different sure. players. But but the the what has been a bit of a stage gate for us at this stage has been just the permitting environment. Right. And this, this might be a, a little bit of a digression, but I think at some point, uh, I think people have to throw in the towel and sort of recognize that we're not going to get to net zero by 2050. And, sure. and, and I think uh, um, I think you need a pragmatic uh, approach uh, to, to both clean energy and, and, uh, and traditional energy. Um, to, the, to that vein, uh, the companies that we're looking at are exactly in line with what Mike's saying, which is uh, looking at, uh, you know, carbon capture and, and sequestration. Um, and again, and the pipeline companies are looking, you know, right. at hydrogen. So I, I, I think keeping your eyes on, on at least those two uh, technologies is, uh, will ultimately be, be the winners, you know, longer term. And also, you know, we haven't spoken about natural gas, but I'd also, you know, use the... Uh, um, the quote that uh, you know, I I think the rumors of of the death of natural gas are, are greatly uh, greatly exaggerated, and I think natural gas, even though it's controversial, will will be an important uh, component to getting to net zero uh, over time. I agree with that. Yeah, uh, we we certainly agree as a as a firm and as my, myself and and, and John. Um, well, gentlemen, I have you both here. You're captive, and I have an audience, and so I can't help but uh, give a quick lightning round here. I'm going to start with Eve, and I think John's got some questions for Mike here. Eve, what are your favorite longs and shorts? Favorite long has to be Nextar Energy. Uh, great play on on renewables, uh, wind and solar. Great, and then clean energy indices. Do they finish the year up or down? I, I, I I'm an optimist, but down. Okay. First, the S&P. Outperform, underperform? Underperform. But 23, but if you ask me about 24, you get different answers. Well, let's go. Well, <laughs> I think when the rate environment stabilizes, I think these stocks can do extraordinarily well as, as we go into 24. Great. And Mike, let me ask you about the M&A backdrop. It's obviously been a choppy market. How do you see M&A proceeding in this space? In the second half of the year and going into next year. Yeah, well, I agree with Eve. I think the rate environment will have a lot to do with uh, M&A activity. I think it's really tough to get buyers and sellers together right now. Uh, I think once that settles down and clarifies, I think it'd be a very constructive environment, both in the traditional and in the clean energy space. Great. 
Mike, Eve, thanks for joining us today. Great conversation, great perspective. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Copyright 2023, Evercore. All rights reserved.